Hey, this is Keith Price, and I am so glad that you have become a part of the Keith Price's Curtain Call family. It is really great that you guys are enjoying it, and I really, really feel like I want to give you guys more and do more for you. And the only way that I can do more is if I can get a little bit of help from you. So what I would like to ask of you is that you check out, if you're listening to the podcast, to the Patreon page that I have started in which I'm asking that if you have an extra buck or two that you could throw over to the side once a month, I would be very appreciative. As time goes on and the more support that I can get and the more energy that I can create, behind this, it will give me the opportunity to reach more people. And the more people that love theater in the world makes the world a better place. So www.patreon.com slash Keith Price Curtain Call. Help a brother out. Come on now. Help a brother out. Thanks a lot. You are listening to Keith Price's Curtain Call. Yes, this is Keith Price, and we are back for another episode of Keith Price's Curtain Call. And as promised, I have to, first of all, give a shout-out to my friends over at the Keith Sherman Associates for helping a brother, you know, not only put a threat out into the world, (laughs) but to have them enforce my threat to get me people when I say I want people in the studio. <laughs> I do what I can. And if you guys are following the podcast, you I hope you have gotten a chance and to catch up, if anything, to the one of the previous episodes that I did with this wonderful new playwright. His name is Philip Doc- Dawkins. And he's the guy I was telling you guys about who has the play that's out, made this world premiere in Chicago and now is about to make the New York uh, debut of that same play at the same time, like, get her, right? That's what mm-hmm. I was thinking at first. Like, how are you doing? Being able to not only get to, you know, do your art, do your craft, do your thing, and then have it recognized in this moment to be able to make a world premiere. And then at the same time, which I think is every playwright's dream, is to have a play open in New York. Mm-hmm. Right. Who knew it was going to be simultaneously as they were, you right. know, doing mm-hmm. it. And what's also great is that when, as I told you all before, that when you have these wonderful playwrights that are writing these great plays, the employment factor goes beyond just that of, you know, the actors. Mm-hmm. You know, there's set people that are going to get to do something fabulous with this piece. There's going to be, you know, if there's musical interludes to be had. There's, like, some musician that's getting to have a composer moment. There's going to mm-hmm. be all kinds of really great things that always happens when these things come out of a playwright. And in addition to that, you know, I love the fact that you also get to meet the actors. I mean, you know, they're kind of a part of the whole thing, you know. <laughs> and I already told y'all last time when I was talking to Philip um, that he had to get these boys up in here because, child, if nothing else, you're going to come to New York on May 5th, between May 5th and May 26th, to see The Gentleman Caller, which is uh, Philip Dawkins's uh, piece that I told you guys about, featuring um, the performance talents of Daniel K. Isaac. Meow, how you doing? <laughs> and um, Juan Francisco Villa. I love how you say my name. <laughs> Y'all, <laughs> let me fan myself while I'm talking to these people. Y'all, again, if you're listening, this is the perfect time to make that trip to New York City, honey. Cinco de Mayo would be very cute. I'm just saying. Cinco de Mayo. Yes. Yes. So you can see I'm all up on this, you are, y'all. Yeah. And so the best part is, is that it's it's really fun because in addition to being able to be this overtly 
useless, flirtatious person, I also get to enjoy the fact that these guys are going to get to do their art, which I think is a, mm. a cool thing. And, you know, get on the get on the Google like I did, honey, when they told me they was coming. Y'all can get some, some clips of these boys out there just <laughs> serving it up on my favorite Chicago PD, <laughs> telling his story according to his mother over there. <laughs> honey, I'm all up on top of y'all. I'm just let you know. So you're not here talking to some person that's not paying attention to you as artists. Um, so tell me, like, how did it, this the particular project come along? Because I know that for you, Juan, you were more a Chicago-based actor to begin with, and since this piece started in Chicago, I, my mind immediately went, "I must, he must have, they must have given him the second call." <laughs> uh, um, well, it's funny because I do, I did live there for a long time, and I, I've known Philip. Uh, I, I might be like. Uh, 12 years, maybe 11 years, before I even knew he was a playwright. Because um, he was just part of a, a crew of artists. Up in, uh, up in the club. Uh, yeah, <laughs> honestly, you hit those pubs in Chicago. And you're just eating them fries and eating them uh, them big-ass hot dogs. And you're just, you're just loading up on food. It's like, oh, you're a playwright, too. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, and then um, I had moved. I grew up here in New York. And so then I, when I moved back uh, in 2016, um, his, I mean, his career has exploded really beautifully yeah. in the last, like, six years. But, uh, uh, yeah, it just it came up actually pretty suddenly. I saw I have a buddy, Rudy Galvan, who's playing Tennessee mm -hmm. when he was in Chicago. And I was like, wow, that's awesome that he gets to play that role because a lot of Latinx artists don't get opportunities to play stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And when I got the call to uh, for this play, I, I was... I've definitely allowed myself to be conditioned to think that I'm I shouldn't be playing those roles. So wow. it was a, it was like I was surprised, and I, I it actually took me a little bit aback, and I had to ask him why why did you think? And he's like, well, he's a lot. He mentioned things about being how similar we are, and uh, especially with how big and boisterous I can be. Uh, and I took that. Yeah, exactly. Let me take a sip on that one, Daniel. I'm going to get to you in a minute, Daniel, but he don't open the door. Yes, yes. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Because there was there was this thing, you know, of being non-white in this industry. And there's just, you know, I've been in this industry for long enough to just some of the bullshit that's part of it you know it's not for profit it doesn't mean that everybody really likes you or gets along with you or has the best interest for you even though you get into theater believing it's a safe place wow. and that you're accepted so and true. the industry it, it will it will beat that out of you wow. and i didn't lose the joy but i definitely accepted how things were and i wanted to change things but i still get so beautifully caught off guard when someone says oh yeah no but you and it's like oh because of this no no no, it's just because it's you yeah and um and it means the the world to me and it's been a joy tony uh, i've been aware of tony and he's about to work at the goodman also on a play directing a play there so tony speciale speciale as we like to say trying to rebrand his last name exactly and it's been great and with yeah. Daniel too of just like uh, just a nice safe place to play and explore and they they roll with my uh, my childlike uh, qualities um, which makes it more free to just be and Fabulous. yeah well what about you Daniel like this this getting into this particular thing because what you might not know and it was the same thought that I had and I'm almost ashamed <laughs> Daniel, I'm gonna own my shame because I was wrong, brother. Because I understand, you know, this is three people of color sitting in the room, so I understand. Yes, this is a safe space. I get it's a safe space, and I have to own what I had done because when I saw 
the name Daniel K. Isaac, mm. and then the picture came up. I was uh-huh. like, who's that? Right. Who that? <laughs> he don't look like no Daniel K. Isaac <laughs> that I know. <laughs> and that's because you're this gorgeous hunk of Korean madness. <laughs> and, Thank you. And, you know, one of the things I love about it is that, you know, you are living your dream right now, being out, mm. open, and free, which is something that I think is also fabulous. I'm not asking anybody's personal business, but I know that... It's all out there. I know it's all out there. Um, so, like I said, you could go look up Danny K. Isaac and find him and mm-hmm. get his story, but I don't have to give you any more because, you know, I could give him the eye. <laughs> and he and I know what we talk about. Francisco... Telepathically connected. You know what I'm saying? Here. Francisco yep. live in New York, uh-huh. and he so he know people like... Uh, you know, I don't know what his story is. Right. I'm not asking if you, right. you know... Let's, it's a safe space. Safe space. <laughs> but, but, it's like, it's the same thing for you, I can imagine, but even ten times worse. Hmm. I mean, although for you as, uh, as an Asian American, at least they will come to you with an IT specialist first. Yes. Before thug number seven. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know. Again, and I've owned that thug number seven. That, you know, let, let long, I'm waiting for Chicago PD to call a bitch because right. I'm ready to like right. be that thug mother. <laughs> you know, I feel it in me. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but but for you though, I mean, it must have been an interesting journey to get to this point too, especially because you're playing William Inge, right? I am. Yes. So you're playing William Inge and you're playing Tennessee Williams, and and you know, those are two of the whitest. Mother scratches on the planet, mm-hmm. as far as I know. Right. I, you know, I could as be wrong. <laughs> there are, and to see the two of your faces playing those roles, like I said, to Philip Dawkins was a very Hamilton esque move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how do you feel about taking on this kind of iconic role? Certainly, like, where do you start, or where do you right. begin to right. try to step into those people? Yeah, I mean, like Juan was saying, up until yesterday, a Latinx actor wasn't able to play their own lead in West Side Story. So, mm, you know, terrible. And, and let's give a shout out to Sierra Bajas, right. who, who just did the a right side thing. note, who did the right note, yes. if y'all are following any of the news. Yes. She was offered this opportunity to sing as Maria in a concert in London, mm-hmm. and she turned it down and said, because there are so many Latin, Amer- Latin um, actresses and singers that should have had that spot, right. and she stepped aside. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what And that bitch. is a hashtag ally. Absolutely mm-hmm. ally. Mm-hmm. So, in this environment, though, I mean, how often? We don't see that very right. often. We're conditioned not to get those opportunities. We are used to the oppression and the, the sort of complacency that the industry has to let white be right and white play lead and mm-hmm. white be the norm or the speaking for all. And so to get this opportunity, we don't take this lightly at all and, and understand that um, it is also because of people like Philip and Tony who are allies as playwrights and directors creating opportunities to say the world is reflected in a different way in 2018 and how about we mirror that, not try to replicate history mm-hmm. because there are plenty of other shows that will do that and Absolutely. plenty of other theater companies that continue to do that. And, and and you know what? And bully for them. Great. Bully for them because it's, you know, no tea in any shade. Mm-hmm. It's like actors getting the work you we cannot hate. Right. We can't and that's something that I have to say a lot of the time is that we can't have we can't hate the player. We mm-hmm. gotta hate the game. Right. And it's not our fault a lot of times that that's how people feel. Right. Because I you know, I notice a lot of times when I've gone to press events for theater mm-hmm. I'm the only one there. Yeah. Unless, you know, it's like for sure like the recasting of the Wizard and all of the black press is there. But generally speaking, <laughs> but generally speaking, 
for the most of the major events, like mm-hmm. just you know the one I was talking to you about earlier. Right. That's going to be coming up later on, and some you'll be hearing some fifty-four bullet stuff. But like, because <laughs> I, I got to keep them in, you know. Right. Um, th- that when when I do those events too, that I find that I'm generally the only person of color. Mm-hmm. Although there's a new Latino brother that he and him, but we've been hanging out, we've been eyeing each other, you know, from across the room, like, yeah, yeah, you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, did they talk to you too? Like, oh God. <laughs> I love Laura Benanti. Anyway, so right. um, but but we, we never. We, you know, like I said, it's the same experience in that. Mm-hmm. You know, also as a comedian, Daniel, yeah. you know, right. wh- who, who was your out gay Asian model for comedy? Margaret Cho. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, I didn't discover her till college. And okay. I, it was one of her earlier DVDs. And she had this whole thing about um, not having any Asian mo- role models growing up, period. At all. And her joke is, the only one I had was Hello Kitty, <laughs> and that was a pussy with no mouth. <laughs> and I, I died in laughter and in recognition <laughs> of you, you had that, and look at you paving the way. Yeah. And thank goodness that, you know, she's done all that she's done. And there are so many more now. Well, because of her. I mean, I mean, and like all of us are sitting in this room because, because of, of, of yes. a lot of people right. doing something similar to what we're doing. So right. it's like that's a great thing. And it's so interesting because in this piece, like The Gentleman Caller, you're talking about the lives of Tennessee Williams and William Inge meeting at this moment that at first I thought was allegedly fictional. But mm-hmm. then I hear it's it's actual right. and there's elements of and stuff right. like that. So right. there's that kind of piece that's going on to it. But what's so interesting is it's like, you know. When you're thinking about Tennessee Williams, um, Juan, I, I mean, what's the most surprising thing you figured out about him? I mean, you both have studied theater people, so you know, mm-hmm. you know, we know histories. But what was the most surprising thing for you about? It's it's, in, um, it's interesting because it, it, you can you can grow up uh, reading or being exposed to an artist's work, and then you you believe you you know them, and then you you find out some facts, and then it's like, oh, oh. There's, there's, as it should be. I mean, there's a pedestal that I, I, mm-hmm. I, I can put uh, some artists on, and I've, I've learned as I've gotten older, whether it's through direct interaction or through some things that you find out that it just I have to take them, I have to look at them as humans mm-hmm. and just accept them for what they are, or else it hurts. Like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. it, it will hurt of just thinking it could be a fellow Latinx artist, and it's like, oh, oh, you're out for yourself. You're not looking out for everyone. Um, so with Tennessee, one of the things that I've loved that. Philip has shared with me is just uh, uh, or he shared with everyone was um, that Tennessee was more of a baboon than a panther and I thought that was a very Ooh. that was a very that was very helpful for me uh, it freed me up physically because um, he just he was not a person who was, was accustomed to you know keeping himself together he just he almost didn't care and just owned a space in whatever way that might be his language his, the way he speaks in some ways can be uh just because of that southern that southern drawl he has in some ways put on because uh, of his mother because he's from st louis yeah. um that yeah. does enough but the physically and the energy is another thing and uh, that's been fun um to play and the few interviews i was able to find of him and it's when he's much older Man, the glee that he has in his eye, even when talking about some subject matter that is a little, maybe a little heavy, he just finds such such joy, joy in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I didn't expect that much of it. Uh, Philip said that he sometimes him watching his own plays, he they would have to like shush him down because the things that were sometimes the most tragic moments in his plays, he'd laugh at hysterically. And there's a line in in the Gentleman Caller where it's like I. 
I, uh, I, I laugh when I shouldn't, uh, and, or, and I, and I, I, I laugh, uh, I cry. I laugh when I, when I should be crying. It was some, something like that. There's a line like that where he talks about that. Like, he, uh, you better get that right before. I, you, you're telling me. I was like, oh, we're just working on that. It's in the second act. Just so everyone knows. <laughs> they just so, started that. By <laughs> May 5th. I, I, I'd like to think that you can get it right. All shady. No, but, it's, get it but that's the, that's the language. The language is so, it's so specific. I try to make it make sense right. in, a, in a very logistical, straightforward way. And it's not an, as interesting. And then you go yeah. back to the script. Like, oh, that's a much more beautiful, well, hypnotic way to say it and to hear it. Well, mm -hmm. it, it helps, I guess, as the actor to give meaning to what you're saying because now you have a really clear meaning of what you're saying so you can be all languished and fabulous about it when you're doing it yeah like you do with shakespeare or anything else it's mm -hmm. like just own it and and uh find it don't get stuck on the the musicality of it and uh ground it and have a clear point of view and then the words will do the work for you that's great how about you mm -hmm. daniel what was your most surprising thing about mr bus stop and right mr well, picnic i think First off, when I was training, I went to undergrad for theater and studied abroad in London. I was never allowed to touch this material. Tennessee Williams and William Inge was never given, I was never given access to that. I think one director let me do the tiniest part in a Clifford Odette's play. And otherwise, it was assumed I would never do this. So I should only look at living playwrights to the new sort of upcoming playwright. Find David Henry right. Wong. That, but that was look, it. Yeah. You know, it was that and like Julia Cho yeah. were the only two while I was studying, it seemed. And, and you're Che like, Yu. They can't write enough rules. Right. There's not enough roles for there everybody. Isn't. Truly, is, there like, isn't. What? And so then to, to be forced to confront the material again and try to find some point of connection, some point of empathy, and, and then to discover you know, I didn't know when I, when other people in my class were studying Williams that he was gay. And certainly no one ever talked about William Inge being gay, mm -hmm. maybe because he didn't self-identify right. as. And also because I don't think it, it is as common knowledge and his sort of celebrity in his private life is very private versus his yeah you know, well i mean he, of, he he didn't have to compete with being out because edward albee did it for everybody he took the bullet for everybody right so everybody right. else kind of just showed up and were like yeah we we, we go to the salon parties mm -hmm. wink wink you know right. Right. but i i don't you know partake you yeah. know what i mean like and and that's it, that's interesting too when you think about it too because you know those two characters those two people as as gay folks dealing with their own drama and finding mm -hmm. their own ways to express themselves and stuff like that, it's like I think in the end the best place for you as an actor when you talk about not being offered those roles, mm -hmm. it's like how wild is it now that we can have these roles offered to us, right? And sometimes they get offered and nobody bats an eye anymore, right? Although I am batting an eye at the current production of Carousel, but we'll talk about that after, right? Mm. I'm still not sure how much I like the idea mm. of the brother beating up the women, but I, you yeah. know, I know right. it's an act. He's working. He can sing as Joshua Henry, blah blah blah. But you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, usually a me, different story is for so. me. That's an uh, an optical issue yes. versus an actual thing because. Right fabulous for him to be able to sing Rogers and Hammerstein on Broadway, you know? Mm -hmm. Fabulous for you guys to get to play these really complex, interesting people right. that you wouldn't... Like, you <laughs> you can't even get to their work, yeah. <laughs> you know? So at least, how fierce is it? You can't do that, but you go into the freaking source. That's right. kind of cool, right? Right. I mean, what do you think, though, at this point now, as as we're, we're having this little mini diversity conference conversation about... <laughs> I mean, because it's very important. It's like, you guys are doing a play, The Gentleman Caller, at the Cherry Lane Theater, starting May 5th through the 25th. Um, 
you know, Philip Dawkins's piece that's currently making the world premiere in Chicago as it makes its New York Day, um, premiere as well at the same time. You're in a piece like that, which mm-hmm. is a very high-profile piece, Tony Especiale. Yeah, <laughs> Philip Dawkins. Mm-hmm. That's a very far call from Via. You know what I'm yes, saying? Yes. You know, I'm not sure what the Isaac connection is. But, you know, when you walk into that room with that that side to mm-hmm. do that audition, you know, what is that like? I mean, you're walking in to do something that ain't you mm-hmm. at all. Where do you pull from? Uh, I know. Um, sometimes I can get in my way in, in my in my head just for any audition, but because sometimes it's, if it's something very close to being Latinx, I get I'm trying to find the racist undertones. I'm trying to find oh here I go again, and then sometimes it's not that, and then I I I get excited and I almost put so much weight on it, meaning I put so much a uh, 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 so much value and I have to get it because this is my opportunity to get an opportunity to show a different type of character instead of like gangster number one, you know, uh, or abusive drug addict number four, right. uh, things like that, which are, you know, some slight exaggeration, but it's not that, it's not mm-hmm. that much of an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. And so then I, I'm not able to just be an artist and I have to tell, I have to th- honestly calm myself down and just do the work and see what I can do with it. And, uh, uh, and so something like this, it's, uh, it's great when it comes up because, um, I just I've loved his plays and I've always wanted to be in his plays. I've only been able to explore it. I went to Maggie Flanagan Studios, a two-year Meisner program here in New York, and I was able to work in one of his short plays. And I got to feel, you know, to to be graphic, feel the words in my mouth. Like it was just like, oh wow, this is so much. F- this is great, and that's the kind of work that um, that the industry will say, oh, you're a real actor. Because you've been able to do Tennessee, you've been able mm-hmm. to do Inge, Albi, and go on and on and on. And if you, but if you're not given those opportunities, then it's like, oh, you don't really right. know. You're not a real actor until you do it. And then you have incidents. I, I don't know if you remember. It was a year ago, two years ago, with the Albi production of being the estate denying uh, uh, some black actors yes. being able to do it. Yes. Right. And now, speaking of when you talk about how you get seen as an actor, it's like think about right now with um, Denzel doing the Iceman Cometh. Yes, which I'm like, seeing tonight. Are you really? Yeah. Like. Uh, you know that is you know i have to say cuz i am that i am that queen i will own it when i heard denzel washington in the iceman cometh my thought was why does he have to try to prove to the world he wants to be an actor like mm-hmm. that was that was my immediate response and that's because as you say you know we don't get those opportunities right. to play those kinds of roles and so when we do get those kinds of roles that is the perception it's like mm-hmm. oh well finally he's arrived and it's right. like well it's just that nobody thought about him for o'neill you know, right? You know, it's right. like, what did I see? What was it last season or season before with um, uh, Forrest Whitaker? Forrest Whitaker, yeah, doing Lo- Huey? Huey, Huey, yeah, Huey. doing That's O'Neill, right. and I was like, oh, I mean, you got an Oscar. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. Like, what's going on? And then the, the other side to that though is, it's like, why as someone like a Denzel would I want to do something like that when there are wonderful eligible playwrights that are doing yes. interesting mm. new things mm. like Philip Dawkins's piece The Gentleman Caller May 5th through the 25th if you are here in New York City also currently going on at the Raven Theater in Chicago don't think I didn't forget yeah. <laughs> just you know shout out to Philip anyway um but but when you have someone like a name of a Denzel Washington who has proven on several occasions that he's that big of an actor, mm-hmm. to do something new or to bring something new to the forefront to me is the challenge of being an actor. 
mm-hmm. more so than trying to go back and do Ibsen or trying to go back and, and recreate O'Neill or trying to do... Sh- even through, You know, Shakespeare, I think, is one of those things that's a very hard sell for people. You got to be in the right frame of mind to get people mm-hmm. to want to go see you do Shakespeare because you know you have to sit and listen to every word and make sure you interpret <laughs> every word correctly so that you can get the full meaning of what's being happening underneath as you're watching the action. So it's a, it's a challenge for an audience member to go see something like a Shakespeare or even an O'Neill because that's a wordy mother scratcher too. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, shout out to Jessica Lang. Come on now because mm-hmm. that was everything. Her, her um, what was it? The one where she's. Uh, the, it, it was the, um with was it Michael Channing? Yeah, Michael Channing. Yes, honey. So I, you know, O'Neill can he can turn you out as mm-hmm. a performer and an actor, and I get it. I get why you would want to do something like that. But I also feel that when you have the notoriety of someone like a, a Denzel, who could bring you know more Lynn Nottage plays to the forefront, you well, know, well, he it was could like, do it was something. Like, or so, David Henry Wong could write something fabulously interesting mm-hmm. with him and Denzel's name. Or, yeah, could you imagine like where the possibility? It was like Samuel Jackson and, and Angela Bassett did Katori Hall's that's Mountain right, Top Mountain on Broadway. Um, and I, I I I agree with you. you I know? mean, that's the that's accepting. I mean, I'm being like two powerhouse mm-hmm. actors with huge credibility, bankability, who are still willing to take the risk on a new play and a new mm-hmm. something to give playwrights that opportunity to give. Set Look at Lupita Young. Look at with what she did with, with Eclipse Deni, and Denai Guerrero. And that's, a, that's a deep history Black that Panther. they have. As, and that's friends, you know. Yep. That that's a deep thing. And so that's what I want to see more of. Well, because that. you know, let's just talk about you know your empanada story, my friend. Oh. <laughs> my solo play your little your little thing you did your little LA celebrated play your little Chicago celebrated play that you not only wrote and was a part of do you feel that you as someone has to, you have to write the things that are going to have the one I I was just energy. texting with a friend and it's something Daniel, I, I constantly you. I, and, and, and this is one of the things that actually all of us in the room are playwrights uh, obviously Philip Tony is a mm-hmm. playwright Daniel's a playwright and myself something uh, we all discovered, and uh, which I think helps with the play also. Um, I do, I do, I do think you have to, whether it's uh, for theater or on camera, uh, cr- generate your own content. Tell this, put the stories that you believe in. Because let's say I book all the types of roles I audition for, mm-hmm. I know I'm going to be frustrated that I'm not getting a real chance to show mm-hmm. what I want to. What I'm, my Ibsen? Yeah, well, what I'm afraid <laughs> right. of, what of what I'm afraid of of doing. The thing that because you could fail royally, but right. I'd rather have that opportunity or to shed a different light on a different type of story that has a face like mm-hmm. uh, that, like myself. So yeah, I, I do think so. I do. I'm, I'm working on a second solo play, uh, Finding Pancho, and it's about. Uh, uh, fatherhood within my family and just mm-hmm. the toxic masculinity that's ha- handed down through generations on the male and female side because the women in my family well, are can... beasts mm-hmm. you know but you know why exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> they adopted they ingested and uh and no, no shade towards them but it's just like oh wow but how far does it go and, and um, see and then that's a story that in itself may seem you know, because Latin culture, because my parents are from Honduras. And so hey, I understand. You, sp- you speak Spanish. That's why you say my name so well. <laughs> you give them all he my says your name away. so well for a number of reasons. Yeah. Ow, Daniel. <laughs> Don't be jealous, baby. <laughs> I'm sorry, I said the last interview. I wasn't trying to shade you. It just, this picture came up first, and then I was fixed. And then I had to, and then when I looked up, I was like, oh. But then, I, you know, I'm not explaining myself to you. You don't have to. <laughs> I love you space. both. I love you both. Um, but yeah, I understand that whole idea of when you do your own stuff, like you have to. What about you, Daniel? I mean, your your piece yeah. too is it's 
you know, according to mother, right? According, according to, my, to my, my mother, mother. yeah. Um, it's like, here you are talking about your relationship with your mother who, you know, you are putting your, not only are you putting your story out there in it, mm-hmm. it being, it is Daniel K. Isaac's personal story of his issues with his mother. Mm-hmm. But when you think about that from the bigger picture, you're speaking for a whole lot of people in that same conversation, in that yeah. same boat. And right. they don't look like you. Right. They don't right. look like you. Yeah. So that's a, that shows that there's power. I'm sure your story, I haven't, you know, I, I can't pretend that I at least, I didn't see what you've done with the story, but like just the idea of what you're thinking of creating next one with this, this talking about male toxicity within, especially within our Latino male mm-hmm. community. And I mean, and I see it from the, you know, being, you know, the gay Latino, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I've had to put a, a couple of brothers down mm-hmm. because they forget that, you know, it's like, yes, I do love a show tune, <laughs> but you will, you will get would be you know so it's just i don't know why i said that but 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 honestly i love it because you we we do have to own our own stories i guess right. is what's going on and what's so interesting is as we say that it's wonderful to not only get to own our own stories but to also participate in telling other people's stories and yeah. i think that that's one of the coolest things about you guys getting to do gentleman caller which is happening over at the cherry lane theater may 5th through the 25th um well, you can see it with these hunk of menses on this <laughs> side, if you're all in the New York area. Um, but at the same time, too, it's like it's it's just great to see actors getting to perform. It's really great to see actors getting to work. Yeah. It's great to see actors getting to be creative. It's great that, you know, don't get me wrong, because if I could come down in a cinched, fabulous gown like, you know, Bernadette Peters singing Hello, Dolly, <laughs> I would be singing Hello, Dolly. Yes. But it's nice to see that there are also other things on Broadway and other places that are just as new, just as interesting. And what a great story to tell. Because this is, this is a story that people won't know. Right. And it's being told in a way, how did I tell him? It's like it was very Hamilton-esque with his casting. But it's, an, it's great because I think that when you take... When they t- when they take the 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 actual person out, it's like folks will be able to listen to the story because you don't look like them. So it's like, all right, well, let's, what do they got to say? Right. What is it that they're going to say? And then I'll add the historical context of who they are after. Mm-hmm. So that's a cool thing. Yeah, that's fabulous. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, man. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And thank you for giving me some because mm, I got I got my straight boys outside. They're so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> when I pay too much attention to men when they come here, the straight boys in the studio space that I work at get very jealous. They don't they don't like me just spreading my love around in front of them because I'm so blatant. Hi, boys. See, <laughs> <laughs> where'd you grow up? I grew up in Texas, actually. Oh. Born, born, in Texas. In, born in Brooklyn, grew up in Galveston, Galveston, and then went to school at Austin at UT Austin, and then UT Austin, yeah, moved here. As soon as I could really formulate the courage to just get the fuck out of Texas, because yeah. you do as an artist at some point, you can't, you know, you understand it. It's like you can't be anywhere but a place like a New York or a Chicago or an LA to at least get the opportunity to express something, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the world catches up. So, yeah, what made you? What made you come down to New York? Yeah, I want we to do to, theater. We're pl- I, I, yeah. I've got plenty of time. If we, I can, yeah. you know, we can part two this mother scratch. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because I got cute men in the room. I can't be just letting them just run free in New York City, honey. <laughs> Shit, I got to get mine. Right. Oh, but I don't have that much time because I have to be on the radio. Oh, wait, somewhere. on the, Oh, wait, you got to go. Three thirty-six. Yeah, I got to go. Seriously. Okay, uh, but anyway, I'll cut that out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a real pleasure meeting you guys. Honestly, like you know. Very cool. Like yeah. I love, I like when I get to meet new folks doing the stuff that I love seeing them do and love to do myself when I've given the opportunities. Um, and it's nice to see y'all get to do shit different. 
Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. Great. You'll be able to see the show. Of course I'm going to see the okay. show. Great. We'll get a drink after. All right. We totally will. Please. I'm going to hold you to it because yeah. I'm, I'm that bitch. Because I will call you out in the lobby. Daniel said he was going to have drinks with me and then he's just <laughs> walking away like he don't know nobody. <laughs> Do I, it. I, I will show the f- out, Great. trust me. Great, do it. And I, with Juan, I could do it with Juan, but I have a feeling I can only get so far, and then I'm just gonna cry <laughs> because the rejection. We'll drag will, on. Just, I'll just, we'll I'll make a nice scene. With us. We'll do a scene. Mm-hmm. All right, but it'll be great. So you guys, Ken, coming to New York City, May 5th through the 25th, go see Juan and Daniel at Cherry Lane Theaters um, with the Abington Theaters. Let me get it right. Abingdon Theater's presentation of Philip Dawkins's uh, The Gentleman Caller here in New York, May 5th through the 25th. And if you are happening to be in Chicago, you can see a production right now at the Raven Theater. So get your Philip Dawkins on, come to New York and get you some of this Isaac via fabulousness. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not mad at nobody on this one. How are you doing? Anyways, all right. Look for Keith Price's Curtain Call on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, and now Mixcloud.